met this six-year-old child in this blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Two episodes of Conscious Realms. I'm your host, generally, and for tonight, I'm truly honored to be having Madhu Jin the Ninja joining me as my co host. Now, if you're wondering why, Jin has decided to start his own podcast, uh, Threshold Saints. Uh, Jim will aim to target specific areas, so to speak, um, which being all things Asian, esoterica, sorcery, metaphysics. I mean, already Jin has a pretty unique approach, and myself, along with many, many others, cannot wait for Jin to be such an extraordinary addition to this community. Anyway, I made up to Jin's joining rules tonight as my co-host, and I've been real looking forward to speaking to tonight's guest, who's had uh, near-death experiences, which is an area that I am truly fascinated with. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome uh, one of the hosts of the Union of the Unknowns podcast, Ashley. Now then, Ashley. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, thanks. Thanks for joining us. And Jin. Yeah. Hey, Ashley, how are you doing? So great to have you on the show. Thank you. Hey, for thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Why don't you... Well, oh, sorry. Go ahead, generally. You take no, that. I'm just that. saying, this, this is all you, this, Jin. Um, Jin has... Uh, mentioned you to us, Ashley. I know he's been a guest on your show uh, a few times, uh, but this particular uh, realm, um, the near-death experience realm, is something that is, um, it really is uh, fascinating, especially when um, you hear of people uh, obtaining certain abilities after um, such trauma. You know, so um, please... Well, and, and I do want to clarify, I myself have not had a near-death experience, but this is an area when Jen was talking to me about like what we would want to talk about in this episode, this was something that I mentioned to him because I'm very, very fascinated in this subject and like for many reasons, but what what it does to people, like how they are different as a human, how their life is different, their relationships are different. Everything about them is different, but it also seems, um, so that to me is very fascinating. And then the other thing that's fascinating is these commonalities that are like very frequently seen. Everybody doesn't have everyone, but there's all these commonalities. And I'm sure that uh, I mean, there's some that are like super well known, and we can get into that list and what that is and and all that stuff. But that's kind of how I came to this topic for uh, our conversation today. Yeah, nice. I mean, just exactly what I mean. It just um, it is fascinating. Um, 
I'm just um, glad that it's not just me that thinks that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So, um, what 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 tales have you heard about it, Ashley? So, um, good question. So, I I was there's a guy in the Liberty space by the name of Legal Man. I'm sure that y'all have heard of him and seen his work. And he just did Jones Plantation and that kind of thing. And he was on with Monica and Brad. That's where I originally heard about him. Uh, his work he did with the propaganda report and he used to have this like a call-in for his patrons on Sunday evening and oh, but like a block yeah it, well, he had a like a, a special YouTube uh, link and a phone number so you could just right. call in and talk to him so if if you were like one of the patrons or whatever so I was and yeah. somehow some way this conversation came up of getting into out of like the liberty and the constitutional space that or, or or government whatever we talk about with him into this more um the unknown realm and like into this kind of area so he brought up the book uh evidence of the afterlife the science of near-death experiences by jeffrey long paul perry uh, those are the the authors. So then I ended up getting this book and then kind of going down that rabbit hole of what does that, what does that look like? What does it mean? And then thinking about the implications for us here, because there's a couple of, you know, I have some questions, right? So allegedly you can get there through meditation, uh, transcendental meditation, like these experiences have been recorded or um, experienced by those people and then other humans that have had near-death experience. But a lot of that is people having a cardiac event, um, maybe because that's a near-death experience that people are often brought back from versus other, other areas. Um, yeah. You know, so that's kind of how it started. And then it goes through these commonalities that are seen over and over and over in from these people reporting back their experiences. So I'll just jump in really quick just to say that I looking through to do prep for this conversation, I just sort of cursory looked through like JSTOR, all the studies on it, like a little anthropology on it. And I will personally say that I do believe you can get there, there through medit deep meditation. And I do recognize some things, and this is not just me, but I've heard other, I've heard even Lux talk about this, that you can sort of get there, there, and it's can be akin to a magical experience. I'm not saying it is exactly a magical experience, but even from my perspective, I recognize a lot of the things, even the constriction at the heart. Yeah. And maybe I'd describe it in a different way, but I think that I wouldn't say I've ever had a near-death experience, but I definitely think that there is a, there is a way to do it not without dying or approximating dying. Sorry, Ashley, go ahead. Oh, no, that's fine. The, this is exactly what I wanted to just say that and to see what y'all thought about it. The only other thing that I definitely want to run through um, is the commonalities. I was actually starting to type them out over here. But if I may, can I just run through them and then we can Absolutely. touch on yeah. that? Okay. Yeah. So that is the thing. 
the, that I found the most interesting is that you almost have these ubiquitous experiences within the near death experience. Okay. So I'm going to take it from the top. And like I said, uh, according to this book, everybody doesn't experience every single one, but there is, you know, these overlaps. So the first one is the out of body experience. We all have heard of that. And I do think that maybe that is something that you have in uh, maybe a traumatic experience. It may not even have to be near death, but that's yes. one of them of people, stories of people being able to see things they had no business seeing. For example, the book references a man who was in the emergency room and his dentures were placed. He was dead. His dentures were placed in a drawer. He comes back. He's able to, to tell the nurse that his dent where his dentures are. Okay. So, and I know, um, you probably have a lot to say on that and I can't wait to hear what y'all have to say, but that's one out of body experience, the dark tunnel. And, and uh, so many of these we hear in like, you know, movies, TV books, whatever. And sometimes the dark tunnel experience is scary. And sometimes it's not a bright white, non-blinding light, um, that you, you know, and we've heard that many times in all kinds of movies, right? Uh, don't go towards the light, stay away from the light. So that's a big one. Um, then there's a knowledge of a barrier that knowing that you are at this point that if you go further, that you're not going to be able to come back. It's not necessarily, it doesn't seem to be a thought of I'm dead. It doesn't seem to be a lot of mental chatter. Like I'm dead. I could go, I, I should stay, but it's more of just a knowledge and knowing that you have. Um, the other is that you often will meet family members or loved ones, but sometimes you may not even know who that person is. And I think there's something really significant to that, that, I mean, that just has never left me. Um, just thinking about that. One of the stories referenced in the book is a guy who was dying and he saw a man that he didn't know. And then when he came back, he actually found some pictures or had a conversation with his mother and it was his father that he never knew. Uh, no that shit. was there. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. So there's sometimes family members there that uh, are greeting you. Um, the other experience is sometimes you, you, you actually meet. Now this one blows my mind. At, sorry to get so repetitive of like one word, like a broken record, but you actually meet your maker. Now, the interesting thing about that is it does seem to be based on your religion, right? So I yes. would, yes. I would be meeting Jesus. Um, but it, it seems to be religion specific, but you meet your maker, which yes. is, is absolutely just almost too much to really comprehend. Um, yeah. you see colors and landscapes that are indescribably beautiful. Like we don't understand it here, but they do once they see that sometimes you yeah. hear music but it's, it's so, it's different. It's so much more beautiful than any experience that you have here. Um, and they can't explain it. And then, um, the other one that is coming to mind about this, Hmm. I had one more that I wanted to, to bring up. So you've got the indescribable beauty. 
obviously meeting your maker. That's the big, oh, it's that you, it's like all the questions that we have here on earth. Like, what does this mean? Like, you know, in this human experience of just trying to figure out being a human on this planet. And sometimes it's really hard. Um, and so it's like, they have knowing when they're there, like they get it, they get the knowledge, they get the understanding of what we want. Um, but it, it, there seems to be a caveat that they cannot bring it back with them. And then the other thing is that they have unconditional love, a feeling of unconditional love that is not even describable in an earthly form. Like even obviously people love their children. They love their family. They love their spouse, but this is, it's beyond that and, and kind of indescribable. So these are all these things that I think about and I don't know that I have an answer or even really, I certainly want to talk to you guys about it and hear what your thoughts are, but it just is, it's mind blowing. I mean, it's, it's almost, it's like insane to, to fathom that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Do you want to read each one individually, Ashley? And then we can like have a discussion about it. I think that might be interesting. I would love that. Yeah. Okay. So let's kick it off out of body experience. Okay, so for I'll just go first then, General. If you want to throw in whatever, I'll, I'll just I'll be fast with my things. Um, I was yes, thinking, man. okay, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, sorry, I'll go. Okay, um, so I was just thinking when you were like talking about out of body. I mean, that is what is the most similar to me to having a magical or a meditative experience. But I'm not just talking about like, oh, you're sitting down and you're just kind of like, you know, like um, what you would learn at like one of those Theravada, like, um, you know, like the, the mindfulness training, like not, it's not like that. It's, I mean, I've never been able to get there with that kind of meditation. Maybe there are people and I'm just limited in my ability, but I've never been able to get there, there with that. But I have definitely gone out of body if, you do it like um hard enough like if you hit it hard enough i think you can do it i think that there's like obviously a lot of people do use like entheogens like um dmt and sometimes mushrooms although you know i don't think people necessarily take it as seriously when they do the entheogens which i think is like the negative but then i think it's also like can unlock kind of the door for you so right and then my last thing was, is for out of body is I think that you're totally right. And I think that trauma can kind of like sever the connection between, it depends, like, because every cosmology describes how many souls and spirits that you have inside of you. And like, so I'm just thinking of like the Chinese one, and then usually it's described as 10, sometimes it's described as seven, sometimes it's described as six. So it depends. So I just, I think that, but there is something that happens where like you're, you're not tethered to your physical body and you're able to kind of like look upon yourself. That sounds very familiar to me. Yes, yeah, I look that... like Really. Well, I, that was really funny. Um, I mean, as for like, uh, like the use of like um, psychedelics, um, I've never been able to uh, to reach that myself. Some people say they have, but I, you know, I don't know. So um, I've never done DMT myself, so I cannot say. But um, I have 
dabbled in some other things like all natural because <laughs> I'm like a, I'm very granola Ashley knows <laughs> very granola I'm like a barefoot gardener I like every anything that's a plant is fair game for me so yeah. I, I you know the only time I can recall was with San Pedro which is a cactus and this was a long time ago but um I have taken um peyote and other things like in and I a ceremony in Arizona and stuff but it's not wasn't I didn't really wasn't magical I would say it was just more puking and sort of cathartic mm -hmm. but um yeah. on on you know on San Pedro maybe it's because I was like very catholic at the time and I had like a more esoteric understanding of St Peter as the saint who holds the keys and like Saint and San Pedro is like the cactus that looks like a key and you know you kind of have all these like kabbalistic sort of associations I'm just using that word but like um you know, you have a lot of like spiritual metaphors you use to like get there, there. And I think that the images are really important. So I think that that helped me do it, but I never wanted to do it again after the aftermath, which is like a lot of puking. So I think that, yes, I think that there you can do it. I just think that it's a very uncomfortable experience, but I think like you can fast. I know that for like Native Americans and, and like in Canada, like Cree people, they do Sundance. So that's like a 40 day fasting no drinking, no cigarettes, no sex, usually that kind of stuff. So I think that there are many ways to get there. And that is least to the first, the first like out of body. I think you can do that. I don't think you need necessarily psychedelics, but I think they can be a useful tool if you, if you know what you're doing and you maybe have like someone who teaches you or sits with you, I think that that may be useful. I've never, but I'm, I'm like with you generally, I don't really find it that useful personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we we all we're all different, aren't we? We all um, sort of experience different things when we take um, like DMT and LSD, etc. Hundred um, percent. I have I've never been able to um, experience anything like this um, out of body. I mean, but they say like some levels of trauma um, you can experience it. That, yeah, that's what I think. I think trauma would be the greatest, like, well, it would shock, if you think of it, like, as a one soul, it would, like, shock yeah. your soul out of your body. That's kind of how I envision it. I don't know yeah. if that's accurate, but I could see that. Well, I mean, yeah. we all deal with trauma differently as well, don't we? Yeah, and I think it can be uh, physical trauma, or it could be, um, and by that, I mean like an accident, like a fall or something like that. Yes. But I also yeah, think yes, that, yes. that, okay, so I, I feel like the people that are higher up who are pulling the strings with whatever is happening here on earth. Like I truly subscribe to Ephesians 612, uh, that it's the powers and principalities that we are battling. And I really believe that people like, Okay, so I, I consider like Bill Gates, Fauci, people like that middle management yes. in 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 this order, right? But I still believe that there's a very spiritual component to them, meaning I think that they literally have sold their soul, that they made that Faustian bargain and that they are working for the adversary, right? That, and, and so I think that these people... And we know through like MK Ultra and the the subsets of MK Ultra that they 
that they made it their business to do these type of experiments on people. So I feel like that was truly of the devil and that they are almost like hacking and playing between two realms, right? Because one of the, like the MK ultra, um, subsets is project Monarch that, and we often see celebrities that appear to be showing allegiance or, uh, servitude to project Monarch. Um, and that, and that's one of the things often that they have like two personalities or they, you have these videos where they seem totally dissociated and that there is a, there appears to have been uh, the MK ultra, ultra program figured out how to to like break the mind of these people, and I think that is so demonic and and of the dark one, but also using this knowledge here that we're talking about. No, I think I think that it's a hundred percent. I think it's more a spiritual war. That's my personal, just my personal gin view. I think it's definite. I'm totally on board with what you're saying. I think it's a spiritual war more than a physical war. Although obviously physical trauma is like a big component in the material world, but I definitely see like, even in the series that generally and I are doing about the Mahavijas, like it make, I can completely see what you're saying. I can see like how creating the illusion of trauma, the illusion of, it's not the illusion of trauma. It's not that people aren't really experiencing trauma, but I'm thinking specifically of like the Disney kids and like the programming and like the, the, the words, the trigger words that they say. And like, it's kind of illusory, right? It's kind of like a hypnosis. So I can understand it from more of that perspective is what they're doing. Like, it's like a spell almost. And that's really what it is. Yes. It's like a yes. control spell and they are doing it to the kids. And then they, it's like a, they're prolonging it by like giving them the, the words they're giving them the tasks to do. And it's very obvious to me when, you know, we like as a child of the nineties, early two thousands, I don't want to age myself too much, but, um, <laughs> you know, watching, watching like the kids and they like Nickelodeon and like when Canada, we had YTV and, you know, it's just, it's so obvious to me that there's so many occult symbols and all of like our entertainment, but it particularly in children's entertainment and yeah. so dark you know, is so dark. Yeah, it really is. And even like, you know, like I'm really into the colors lately, like the colors of the of the Kabbalah tree or the uh, tantric colors and the Buddhist colors. Like I'm very into that. And like Robbie also talks a lot about that because he is an artist and obviously he works with pigments. So I just think that that is like I see that a lot and I see that a lot with politicians, but I definitely see it a lot in children's entertainment and a lot in music videos and music videos have always been very occult like always but i think that now that is like that's such a fashionable aesthetic like the masonic hand sign aesthetic we'll call it or like the um kalima like the oto aesthetic i think that's very popular and i think it's not an accident i think it's totally to like get people hooked on watching it so it's like a spell that they're watching so they're getting hooked in it but then it's also like preparing people who want to go into that for what it's going to entail yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, and drawing well, power from the ignorance of people seeing it, right? I think that does something for them as well. Uh, sorry, General well, Lee, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, love. Um, what's your um view of um, you know, mental health side of um, out of body experience? Do you think do you, do you have 
would, would you say that there would be any link between mental health and an active body, some sort of, some of the mental health? If you get, I, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I mean, I definitely think, so in an example of the hallucinogenics that we were talking about, I feel like your yeah. mental health is very important because if you are not well spiritually and mentally, I believe that you are really rolling the dice and exposing yeah, yourself to, yes, yeah. yes, uh -huh. to potentially, you know, uh -huh. evil spirits, evil entities, uh -huh. or um, that kind of thing. Now, when it comes to the kind of the accidental or the, um, uh, what I was referring to early, like the cardiac stuff, I don't know yeah. in those instances if it matters as much because it seems like the people that I have read about that the spectrum of them ages, uh, where they're at in life, family, all of that stuff seems to be very different and yeah. yet they still have these super common experiences. Yes. I have a kind of a theory. Should I just say it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So the heart chakra okay so i people know i've talked about it before but i don't really do the chakra system like in tibetan buddhism we do have that but it's the five chakra system we don't really do the seven well we mm -hmm. do but anyways it's a well i won't get into that but there's a five chakra system they're called the maha vira chakras so the greatest hero chakras like the yeah heroic chakras so the five heroes so the heart chakra is the most important really in that scheme even though we would say like the mind is the most important or the speech because buddha means speech but really the heart chakra is the most important and that syllable that it's like assigned to that chakra is both constricting and expanding at the same time so when you were talking about like the like how when people have the heart thing it is and also like the black tunnel like i found that very similar to like how we imagine that syllable to function it explodes like a star and then it quickly coalesces and recrystallizes so i thought that was kind of interesting in the sense that's of like energetic body inside of you like yeah what is that's happening. crazy that's so it's just fascinates me so much hearing about that kind of thing it really is it's crazy and then also what general lee said about mental health like i think that's 100 percent true and like i said in that if you have a multi-soul system or a multi-spirit system like however you formulate it because i don't think it matters that much like yes i do kind of like more i'm perfectly fine with to use the more christian description of a single soul but i'm also okay with using like the more like a buddhist example and where it's more spirits it's not necessarily your soul is like inside of you but it's like multi-component but i think that there is a fracturing that can happen with mental health and i think it's exactly like both of you said like you that's why not to bring in not to make it my episode but like in tibetan buddhism we do do the protector practices you do do the ferocious practices you kind of set your space as like a place of like uh, power for yourself and like protection against all like invading spirits so i really found so, that so oh i'm sorry, sorry to interrupt. Ahead, no 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 but i just want to say so in doing that and setting up the protection that would mean that if something did happen to your physical body and your spirit was going somewhere else 
whether we call that heaven or, or whatever, but, but it seems like it is heaven, but maybe in Buddhism, you would have another name for it, but so it would protect you on your journey there. Is that what you're saying? So there's, so you'd have a protector. So you'd have like a, it's usually a male protector. So it'd be like, say like a guardian angel. So say it could be like um, St. Michael. Okay. So similar thing. So you'd say St. Michael protect my physical body or you'd wear like a St. Benedict medal. Okay. I, obviously I'm more Catholic, like I'm from a Catholic background. So I have to use my own yeah. reference. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, but then when you go, you would be accompanied by another, usually a female, like what we call a Dakini Buddha, like, like Kurukula, for instance, or Vajravrahi, or so you would have your, well, Kali maybe, but not for me, but anyways, uh, yes, but but she actually is a more of a protector. She's considered more of a protector class. But you could have like a red bikini who's like, it's like an angel kind of thing. Like it is an angel. So I said, yeah. okay, St. Michael protects me. But maybe you could say St. George. Or maybe you say like St. Joan of Arc. Like a marshal. It would be like someone who's like a, has a sword and like has a, you know, qualities of protection. And then the angel would uh, travel with your subtle body or your spirit up the tree. If that's what you want to describe it. Mm-hmm. So they travel there with you on your journey to see you well, to see you protected Yes. Um, through this journey that you're taking. Yes. And the male protector would, it's not, doesn't have to be a male protector, but it, usually they are. And just, that's what Tibetan Buddhism is. It's not, the girls are cool too. They can protect you. I'm not saying that. I'm just, that's how it's usually conceived of. But like generally said, like if you could have Kali, you could have, there's other protector uh, spirits that are female. It just depends on your lineage or school, whatever, and how you think about right. it. But yeah, that's generally, and then the Dakini goes up with you, like climbs up with you, is there in spirit with you, because they're the ones who are most connected to the subtle worlds, like the spiritual worlds, whereas the male protectors are much more connected to the world. And to the to our well, physical world. Yes, to our physical world. They're much would you, able. Could you have, Sorry, generally, go sorry, ahead. Mate. Could you have like a Dumavata or Bagala uh, Would you use the oxygen or would that be a no? I mean, if you were a really good sadhaka, like if you were like, if, okay, so if Dumavati was like your explicit practice in life, like that was like your main practice, that's what you were doing, yeah. like every day like four or five hours a day and i'm talking for years then yes yeah. totally could no problem like she could definitely be like a garuda dakini and protect you or travel up with you she could do both functions but you still because we have the three pillars in buddhism like it's guru deva dakini so you'd have your guru is kind of like the person that you pray to to make sure you do everything correctly so it'd be like our jesus figure and then you'd have like God. So it'd be like God, the father. And then it would be yeah. like um, the Holy Spirit travels with you into the spiritual world. So I'd be like your Dakini or the female yeah. God. That's how I would describe it. But I don't know if that's yeah. perfectly cape, you know. Well, I think it's worth discussing. Um, and it's very interesting. And, and, you know, how would it work now in the context that I was looking, it wasn't specifically um, religious 
obviously that's a component of it. But as I said, it was more of a, you meet your maker, you know who they are, but it's, mm -hmm. it's more related to your belief here on earth. Yes. Um, so I, but I definitely find that super interesting and I'm sure there's a lot more information out there to be studied about, you know, what was a Buddhist perspective versus a Christian perspective. And something I did want to throw in here, uh, that because we talked about the, these commonalities, but there was one, one thing I wanted to add to that, that sometimes there is a hell experience. Um, yes. And then the other things that I wanted to say is that when they come back, that that is often difficult for them. It's a difficult transition back to earth. Now, sometimes they, if they are in an opportunity that they live a very long time after that, like often I think that they feel that they come out of it a better person in their living life and from a different perspective, because they now have a knowledge that there is something after there is loved ones after there's unconditional love. There is our maker. Um, so I think that they come out better, but sometimes that can take them a very long time. So just coming right back to earth in our material world is often described as being very hard for them because they a feel like people may not even believe them. Mm -hmm. And I think that they sometimes doubt themselves as well. Like what happened, you know, just the whole processing because what an incredible experience and sometimes yeah. um, it can last for them for a very long time, but they may be gone five minutes. Um, so that's a very odd you know, part of that, but the adjustment coming back can sometimes be hard. And I, I have thought of some other, um, uh, one of the other things, um, that they'll often experience is like a full replay of your life. Um, but it happened, yeah, like, like I said, play, play before you like, like on a real kind of thing, like exactly like that. Yes. Yeah. And that, um, like I said, it's, it's your whole life that you see, but maybe you're gone five minutes. So it's super incredible, to even think that that's possible, but it is. And then in this book, it's described as oftentimes people will have, they will see their, these experiences and it's like, they know what the other person was thinking. They know what they were thinking in that moment and they're seeing it. And they have this understanding, but not from a harsh judgmental perspective, like even of themselves, like they just understand the situation. It's, I don't know, it's mind blowing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that was so fascinating. I do agree that it isn't just a religious, like, I totally am there with you. It, I think it matters what you believe on this earth and then what you see at the top that completely makes sense. That even makes sense to how I've heard other, not me, but other people describe how they've climbed like the Kabbalah tree, like, mm. where you hit the 11th sphere, which is death, and then you see like, well, I would think of it as the guru, like I said, but that you could absolutely see it as Jesus. You could absolutely see it as um, maybe Mary, if you're Catholic or, you know, someone you could see it. You would see it definitely as I don't know. Maybe you'd see it as Jesus if you're Catholic. Maybe that is what that sphere is. And it's like that kind of like the con confrontation of yourself, like you're confronting it. So you're outside of time at that point because you've traveled through the spheres to death. But 
like through Benah. So it's like the time, like you said, like they, their time is different than our time. Mm -hmm. So Benah is the perceptual destruct is the destruction of perpetual time. So the time you experience is gone. Like you're kind of outside of time. And then when you're in death, you're kind of confronted with all your sins in your life. And then you're kind of, and then in, when you move over to Chokma, you kind of like, that's where your family might appear because it's wow. like the, the Bardo, the smoky place where the spirits can dwell. And then you would go up together and then that would be like where the Godhead is. And so you would experience like all the love, but wow. you could so also, there is sorry, precedent. Oh, I was just going to say, so there is precedent for these things that, um, you know, in the old ancient religions right of of that that describes everything i'm saying here yes even the tunnel and like the the not blinding light that totally makes sense because you do see like um so we you know i think i've even talked about it when i was on your on your show is that we have a dragon of the eclipse and he but like one of the things that people see is kind of like a eclipse when the near-death experiences that stood out to me personally and like that they see the non-blinding light which is really important because in like esotericism that if a spirit is over effulgent meaning that if they're too brightly burning that is usually a sign that they're not a good spirit like if they're too overwhelmingly bright like you want a little bit of brightness you want like an like an you know you want like a the angels are described like the seraphs are described as like balls of flame so you do expect like some kind of like light but you don't want it to be like where you can't see their actual form that's how i would think of it maybe other people would think differently but that's how i, I hear it fascinating all of this yes. stuff i mean it's just it's insane crazy isn't it it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to okay. derail it like that. Oh, you're not, mate. You're no, not no, politics. not so at all. I mean, I mean, what, what's your your perspective on? Just say if you wasn't religious, what do you think um, about things there? You know, because not everybody's religious, are they? Yeah, I think that's a good question. So I would. This is one of the other points that I wanted to make on the return trip that it is described as if they were a very religious person, often they come back as being more spiritual and not religious, not a specific as much anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do find that fascinating. Now, the one thing that I will say as a caveat, though, is that I haven't vetted these authors to see. And I think that's something important that we need to do is like, are, are they associated with the world economic forum? Are they associated with the powers that shouldn't be on this earthly realm that are kind of pushing the one religion narrative. So that's something that I like to consider that, that people have that. But I also think that it's worth more, you know, thinking, digging, conversation, all of that on that to just have that caveat in our mind. That's huge. That actually, absolutely, the part of any of the um, nefarious organizations, because, like you said, they do push for the uh, the you know one world, etc. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the mechanism, and that that's so important. I'm so glad you said that. That was a really great point. Yeah, I try to have that caveat 
especially these days when I'm thinking about the information that I'm getting, if it's not coming from someone in like our sphere, right. Yeah. And the research and the documentation that they've done. And oftentimes like Jen, uh, and I don't know if general Lee is a, a Richard Grove fan, like we are, but um, you know, he's so good about that. This is where I got it. This was his own word. This was his diary. This was family documents or whatever. Yes. But in, in other information that's kind of outside of our sphere, then that's worth checking into. I think I, because I want to make sure that I'm not just getting like, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, herded into that agenda without even realizing it. I mean, yeah, you can, you can easily get dra dragged into shit, can't you? Easily. Yeah. Very um, especially, especially with how they um, portray certain things, you know, making out as if they're one of us when they're clearly not. Exactly. And know and knowing what they want from us, right? Because we know that they <laughs> yeah. have the attitude that if they can all get us to believe in this one world religion, that we're much more submissive and subservient to them. Um, yes. So we know that's part of the agenda. So I, I try to have my guard up, but I tell you, sometimes I still, I still miss it. I still haven't broken all of my programming either yeah. so we're only human actually aren't we um yeah you know, all things like this but it's about staying strong and trying to um trying to embrace what unfortunately they're um they're not um if that makes any sense yeah and and honestly richard grove does he was just talking about this he said we we can consider this, I don't know, I'm probably butchering whatever he said, but basically that this is an opportunity for us. Like we, knowing what they're up to gives us power to, to be able to um, live our life and still have a good quality of life and put us ahead of the game. Yeah. Um, so this, it's actually an opportunity for us. And one thing that he says that I really like, and I don't even know that he's necessarily very religious, but I like the, the context. He said, we're born into this timeline. So to me, that does give me comfort, right? Like that. Okay. Well maybe, you know, cause sometimes I get down on myself. Like, am I actually doing anything for the cause of Liberty? Am I actually doing anything at all or whatever? But I'm like, you know what? we're fucking in this timeline and yeah. we know what these motherfuckers are up to. So yes. that is something. And that kind of gives me hype because that makes me feel like, okay, I'm with you, God, like help me here, help me do something, help me know something. But, but at least helps me to feel purposeful in this really weird timeline. If that makes sense. Yes. 100%. I mean, I don't want to blow Richard up. I really like him. I'm sure he knows I'm a big fanboy, but uh <laughs> but you know, he definitely understands in a more metaphysical sense. I don't think that he talks about that as much anymore. I think that he really did do more on the masonic colors and things I'm not really great at Stephen still, but I think that he really under does understand that we are fighting like a very spiritual and like ontological war, if you want to call it that. And so I will say that, but then also I totally think you're right. And I think that, you know, like with the assailant Institute, like the assailant Institute is a hundred percent like a Fabian Barbara Marks Hubbard and like her plan to like eugenics us all. And like, 
you know, turn us into like she wanted us all to be like Krishnamurti's, like the eyes, like saints or something. I, it was very strange things that she <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, and she was just like a weird, like she was like a hippie new ager, and she totally like kind of blends in with that like whole I forget her name the one that's running for DNC the Marianne one but she totally is like she's kind of like a her like you wouldn't know you wouldn't know she just kind of talks like crystals and like feelings and like but they all hold these like crazy beliefs and then they make this like a Salem Institute and it's like worth also noting that like all of American like witchcraft and Wicca, like American Wicca, but even like Gerald Gardner, he was like a member of the Fabian Institute or the Fabian Society. And then you have like all the ones who were in America, like they all worked for the OSS. So you definitely do. It's like there is like a metaphysical trap that is very real and is like it, it exists and they put it out for people to get caught up in like you know, like, I really appreciated what you said about how people come back and they're not, like, religious or more spiritual, because I think that is really what I always try and say is, like, don't be dogmatic. I mean, I'm not good at that, but I try. And, <laughs> you know, be less ideological, be more, you know, just, like, have a moral and have your integrity and your moral compass. So I think that's more important in your, like, discernment of wisdom. And then I think, yeah, I think that that's really important, more important than like a specific ideological standpoint. And then also my last thing will be like they, someone on Twitter, shout out to Chimera, made a really interesting point that we, because he, he was talking, we were talking about the dialectical management, like how they manage both sides, like the right and the left. And it all, it, right now, especially, I'm sure Ashley, you think so, I'm sure General Lee thinks so, is that it's very managed. Every all oh. the influencers seem very managed. Everybody's 100, like hundred, yes. And he was saying that we are actually not in the dialectical management of like communism versus like um, capitalism. Like he's like that's like sixty years old. That's like the old alchemical alch dialectic. Because dialectics is alchemy. I mean, it, that's really what it is. And he's saying that it's between third positionism, so like a more Chinese model, like a state socialism or like a market kind of socialism but like not socialism as like we own the means of production no it's like the state owns everything and exactly like what they say they're doing and so it's like a chinese yeah. model but then versus like this kind of like ecumenical islamic kind of like banking model so i thought that was very interesting like maybe it's where maybe many people are like kind of looking at it it's like it's left and right and this and this but maybe what we're really looking at is like are we entering like this more highly religious like ecumenical kind of like thing that you know people on the right used to get called crazy for saying like sharia law or noahide law or whatever or is it me like more of a Chinese model where it's like a secular atheist technocracy? So I thought that was just a really interesting point. I'm not saying I believe it. Just, I think that's a very interesting way to think about it. Yeah, I would agree with that because I, I do, I do certainly think that, you know, in, in the States, you know, we have the Republicans and the Democrats, right. And people are brainwashed to think that that particular system. And it's, it's like, I just saw a meme that was showing the particles and their sizes that could get through a mask, right? So it starts here and it goes so, 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 so tiny to get to a coronavirus. Um, that's what it, it reminds me of that, that that is the scale of possibility. 
And this tiny, tiny little coronavirus size box is what everybody believes in, in uh, Republican, Democrat, or sometimes even a third party. But I'm like, but if you believe in participating in the system and that voting and all of that matters, that's not totally rigged, then you, your brain has been hijacked. Um, and I, and it, when people do talk about like, oh, capitalism, free market, fascism, communism, I, I'm just like, who, who cares? Who I, cares? Who cares? Because it doesn't. Because it's totalitarianism. It it doesn't matter what kind of ideology you want to say that it is. It is that you can't have an opinion that is different from the party. You and you can't have wrong think, and that we've always been at war with East Eurasia or whatever, and you know. And then like we grow babies in pods and all of that kind of weird shit. So it it yeah. really is like 1984, Brave New World. And we know they call it the New World Order. So I think that you're right, Jen. It's like people get bogged down in what is it? But it's what it is, is totalitarianism. Yes. And it doesn't really matter what you call it. And it is yes. this the technocracy and the surveillance state. And it's that's where it's at. No, a hundred percent. Like I you know, was it's like very freaky. You know, we have like, um, you know, we have the MAID program. We've got so much eugenics things like Tommy Douglas, the guy who invented our healthcare system in Canada, whatever that is even. He was a eugenicist. You can go read his University of Chicago thesis, still online. And he talks about how he wants to sterilize like all these native women and all this stuff. And like, I'm not as like a social justice person. That's not my, Ashley knows, like, I'm, that's not my orientation. But I'm just saying, like, if you like are then like being like, we want this, like, if you want, like, when I hear people in the US saying, like, oh, we want free healthcare, I'm like, do you like not recognize the model? Do you not understand what they're like really wanting to do here? Like, this is what they the want guy to kill you. Said. That's <laughs> yeah. right. That's literally what he said. He's like, he wanted to like eradicate these like undesirables, these like mental people, these like indigenous people, all of it. He just, he wanted them like all controlled and they knew that that would be the best vehicle and it is. And so I just, I think that, yeah, exactly. Like be non-ideological. Don't like just be on like a team. Like I always say, I'm just team humanity. I don't really care. Yeah. Yeah. Like my politics are libertarian, but I, you know, I'm, I'll be cool with anyone who's like on our team. Yeah. I mean, we, we've got a free health career, but, you know, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's not the best. There is part of private as well, but the NHS, um, you know, it, it seems to be um, fucking slowly deteriorating. That's how Especially it is. Here. With, with, yeah, how common it is for them to, like, a doctor to be on strike. Um, it's just putting so much pressure on, on the doctors who aren't on strike. Yeah. Like, just say, for example, there's 10 doctors. If there's eight of them on strike and the other two, they're literally fucked. Um, it's just, I mean, you can go into A&E at an hospital now, and you're talking... Like, I went to an hospital, like, near where I am. Um, you're talking between 8 and 14 hours that you're going to wait. That's a long time. That's a long time to wait if you've got, um, like, a serious injury, for example. Yeah, and I think that you know? people have no understanding of what it actually is like to have highly socialized healthcare. I mean, we already have that to an extent for some people, yeah. um, but there's, there is a semi-private market, right? I mean, 
I, I kind of believe that it's been co-opted because you have, you basically, it's unaffordable if you don't have health insurance, which is really expensive. And then like, depending on the coverage that you want and all that stuff, but there is still some choice there. And there are still some practitioners out there who are trying to make it affordable for people. Like we're blessed and lucky enough in our town here to have a guy who's trying to operate outside of the yeah. highly corporate model. Um, you know, so we do have that going on, but for the most part, if you need to be seen by a doctor, you can go to urgent care or you can go to the emergency room and it may be a long time depending on what you got going on. But for the most part, you're going to be able to get in somewhere. And certainly yeah. at least at this stage, it like in Canada, you see the memes. I mean, it's like, oh, well, uh, you have a oh, cold. Well, how, how about we, how about medically assisted suicide? I mean, it's just, they don't get it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking nuts, isn't it? Um, I mean, just down here, Ashley. Whereabouts in the US are you? If you don't mind, oh, uh, no, I don't mind. I'm in North Carolina. Right. Uh, do, do you know what, for, for example, if you need an ambulance for whatever reason, do you have to pay for that? I'm I'm led to believe there's a charge for just every ambulance. So is it that, depends. That... It depends right. on your healthcare coverage. So, like in my case, I'm lucky enough to have health insurance, and so, but you still will have like your monthly payment, and then you have a deductible depending on right. what it is. So that deductible has to be met before everything is covered. Now, sometimes there are allowances for emergency, like, oh, emergency coverage is, is separate. The deductible is only applicable to like general practitioner stuff. So there's a right. whole tons of variables there, but for the most part, you may have a deductible or let's say I hadn't met my deductible, but maybe I still had to have the ambulance and there would likely be a partial payment required by me yeah. and a partial payment from the insurance company that would pay the bill. What well, what would that uh, partial payment be? Does it all depend on the circumstance? Yep, it depends. So they will do things like by household. Is it a two-person household or is it a household with right, children, okay. like a family? Um, yeah. You know, what is your deductible? If it's $8,000 for two people, then... Um, you know, maybe, like I said, that may apply to like a general, just regular doctor, blood work, that kind of thing. But then maybe there's an allowance for emergency. So like maybe your emergency would be a hundred percent covered, or maybe you would have to pay 50%. Um, you know, so it's, it's very variable in, in whatever someone has. And like some, some employers will cover a huge chunk of your insurance and then some of them don't. And then you may have heard people talking about like uh, huge companies like Walmart, like they may work people 36 hours as opposed to 40 hours because 40 is considered full time and 40 is when they have to pay for health benefits. Um, oh. Now that's just an example. Like that's not an exact, and it may be different now with Walmart or maybe it was 32 hours instead of 36 or something like that. But there's yeah. a huge amount of variability in that here in the States. Well, well, just, just say, just say like if I was going to go on all day to, to America and I got hit by a car, what would the cost be um, for an ambulance? You know, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, oh, I would think it would it right. like if if you were just here as visiting our country, is is that what you mean? And not like yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. So I, that's I would... like the my like my insurance because I need insurance to go away. Every country you go to outside oh, okay. you need insurance. Would that would that take that be taken into consideration as well? I would think that it would. Yeah. Um, but there's probably someone out there, maybe they can chime in and follow back up with you. And I would love to know myself. Um, but I'm actually not sure. I, I would think if if you just have no coverage, it would probably be a couple thousand for sure, easily. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. I mean that you know, we pay for our um ambulance service here. Like they they charge us a fee. How much is yours? I think it's 125 if I'm not mistaken. I've only done it once. I didn't, wasn't in it, but I'm just, I've called it once. Right. So, mm -hmm. so I believe that's what it is. But, um, you know, every health authority in Canada is different. So every province, supposedly each province is in charge of their own. So that's different than right. England. It's like NHS, National Health Service. So ours is provincially run. So you get a different card if you move to a different province. You got a different right. like health card and your access changes and like some provinces like the one I live in now is like has like a very broken system but like you know like you just what I've done is like I've always been pretty granola and I've always been into like herbs and like health things I haven't always been like the yeah. most healthy but you just have to like kind of be very self-sufficient in like yeah. your day-to-day -day health and just like really do the best to like optimize how much you know physical stamina you have and like well, trying yourself basically yeah you're you're, yeah. you're kind of on your own otherwise yeah. yeah and and i even think that here honestly and what so i always i don't know about always for a very long time i knew that a lot of what they told us was bullshit yeah. um and i also knew that you very much have to be your own advocate because there's a ton of incompetence and you know people being overworked and tired and an accommodation of all those things but it wasn't until i was introduced to the hospital death protocol from the covid government lockdowns that i really realized how much it's honestly to be avoided at all cost. Yeah. Um, be because what was happening is that, and I know y'all probably already know this, but people would go into the hospital for X, Y, Z. Sometimes it could be COVID cold flu related, or sometimes it was something totally different, a heart attack. And they would administer an unreliable COVID test. And then they would tell you, yes, you have COVID. And then often that would get you put on a COVID floor. And then the protocol for that was they got paid, first of all, to test you. If you were positive for COVID, they got paid. Then if you got admitted for that, they got paid. If they administered remdesivir, they got paid. If they put you it's on a great. ventilator, they got paid. Yeah. So it, and, and a lot of people died from the remdesivir ventilator well, it's a, protocol. It's a I mean, that's a, it's a euthanasia drug. That's what, I yeah. mean, that's really what it is. I mean, that's, yeah. it's not a joke. That's what it is. That's what they did. Slippery slope, mate. Yeah. Like, and it won't see, um, yeah. 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 It's just so, crazy. Like, like, like how they get paid for a breach. And, um, he's better than fucking bollocks. Yeah. So I pretty, pretty much was like, uh, honestly, it's getting very dangerous, especially if you have to go to a hospital, yeah, it's even worse, but avoid, 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 take care of yourself as much as you can. Oh, like what Jen is saying. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's like, it's really, it was really scary, especially during, I mean, we had like almost two years of full lockdowns here, like not mm -hmm. all in a row, but 
we had like a three month break, but it was like 14 months. So, you know, it was pretty rough for, I mean, I know a lot of people who didn't make it, and, you know, it is, it is what it is now, but um, yeah, it was a very scary time and like just how oppressive and exactly like you said, totalitarian it was like the masking here was mm-hmm. unbelievable. I mean, the girl got choked out at the, at a hospital that I've been to like a million times in Toronto. And so that is like crazy. Like the uh, guard did that and she had just gotten up from her bed and she had gone to like, go find like a coffee or a snack or whatever. That mm-hmm. truly choked her out and like she died. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's like insane. It's like, Disgusting, man. Yeah, it yeah. really was. And they videotaped it, and that was really like the thing. And you were like, Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that I want people to go to jail. I'm not like, like I'm not like a super carceral person in the right. sense that, yeah. you know, I'm not super punitive, but like that, you, there has to, you have to have a consequence. I mean, that's like, I mean, you cannot like just do that. You can't just lay hands on someone and be like, Oh, it's all, it's all okay. It was just the yeah. reason, you know. Yep, it's state sanctioned murder. I mean, exactly. Look. Exactly. So I just, yeah. Yeah. you know, and then, we, so I think that, sorry, generally, go ahead. No, no, um, you know, I just, I, all I was going to say is um, since, since then, um, things have not been the same. No. It changed, it changed um, so much. Um, well, let I don't me think they'll ever get back to how it used to be. Let me float this idea. I've heard it described as maybe COVID was like a mass ritual, like a ritual to wake up as many people as possible. I know that sounds counterintuitive to wake up people. Why would you want people to wake up? But like, there's a lot of predictions about what the next, like, we'll say 100 years will hold. And I just think that like, in order to meet whatever their and I don't know their goals or like their exact like plans. I'm not in the society or whatever, but I just think that they have plans and they need people to wake up for like multiple reasons. And I also think that people woke up because the spiritual density during like 2020, 2021 was so heavy and so potent that it was like very easy to like have some more spiritual experiences because i know that i certainly although i've had spiritual experiences my entire life i've always been like very tapped into it for better and for worse just to be honest and but i think that definitely it was a lot more possible during 2020 2021 to just like really have like incredible experiences that's just how i think but maybe i don't know i'd love to hear what ashley and general lee say Mm. so for me i do it it, so i'm not sure about the spiritual part i'm not arguing with you i think that's possible i didn't necessarily have well actually let me say i did because i was following and i was in uh cyprian then armani's uh private group on telegram and that was really important for me and there and as you know, he's an Orthodox Christian, um, had converted fairly recently at that time. And so there was a lot of discussion about that in that group. And, and that's where I really came to see Ephesians six twelve. So I will say that, yes, I actually did have, um, a, a deepening spiritual experience during this time. Um, and, and I think that that makes a lot of sense that you say that because, people were searching, 
right? Because you don't, you don't, you're trying to make sense of a world when you're being lied to uh, on an unbelievable scale. So I do think that, yeah. So I do think that, that there is an element to that. And I definitely think that the masking for sure was a ritual of, um, of transition of taking you from one place to another. And as general Lee said, everything changed after that. We all know that it was, um, it was a watershed moment for our modern day humanity. So I definitely think that. And then to your point, Jen, when you're saying that maybe they wanted people to wake up, I would also say that that's possible. And the sense that I make of that is that in with the World Economic Forum, although I think they're middle management, yes. I still think that what they are uh, conveying to us is that we would be wise to at least pay a little bit of attention to that. Not too much attention and not in a fearful way, but to yes. just have an ear on what the globalists are saying, right? So we know that how will the world look different in 2030? And that one of those is that the United States is no longer the world's superpower. I'm only using the United States uh, in this example, but I think it can be applicable in many other ways. And and many other of the bullet points are applicable to England, Canada. And we all know that basically we're all the same fucking thing. We're being run by the same people. Okay. So, um, we got it. Exactly. So I think that the third worlding as Monica Perez would say, or bringing the United States down a peg in the eyes of the world is very important. So I do think that waking people up to the corruption of the government, and it's almost like another psyop. Because they're like, yeah. oh, Joe Biden, Donald Trump. It's like, oh, my God, they don't matter. They, they're they less than puppets. Okay, so maybe like Bill Clinton was middle management, but I don't even think that Joe Biden and Donald Trump are even there. You know what I mean? They so don't seem I think, like they're really in it. They don't. Yeah. So I feel like it truly is uh, that they do want people to wake up to a subset of it maybe not to the full globalist picture but so many people are still caught in the left right paradigm um and but there's a lot of other like i don't know conservatarians maybe a, a good way to explain them uh because they still like support the zionist state they still think that some republicans like i don't know maybe they believe in dan crenshaw or something like that but they they, they see themselves as being like awake but they're actually not does that make sense no so, i totally understand who you're speaking like yeah. the yeah there's like a definitely like a i don't want to be mean but they are kind of boomer con and they be do me jim be me Come okay on. well they're kind of boomer <laughs> cons right like they're kind of like they're you know they're just they have like a more they're more it's like they almost didn't live through 2020 they kind of their consciousness is still in like 2008 or something like i'm not <laughs> quite sure <laughs> good well not me yeah well it's it is like they uh, for example i use my dad as an example so i can talk to him about almost all of this stuff like yes they're trying to kill us yeah i even it's my mom's the same thing yeah oh i know it's not controversial like i can tell them everything that i think about all the things even things that we're not going to discuss here um because it's too hot but yet they still are like but donald trump is the better of the two or, or and i'm like 
you, you don't get it. Something is not connecting. No, I totally, I totally understand this, but I will say, I'm going to say, I'm going to kind of out myself a little bit. I do appreciate, I do appreciate his like old school, like, I don't know if you want to call it Kabbalah or like Masonic. I agree with you. He does it like, it's very, it, there's a flair to it. It's very Vegas. It's very like Sinatra. Like we're in the mob. We also do Kabbalah. I kind of like it. I kind of respect it. I'm just, okay, so maybe it's like a magician to a magician and you just like respect their style. Maybe that's what that is. He's hilarious. Yeah, he's, and he's very funny. I mean, I didn't really, I did watch the, the one interview he just did. And like, I don't really like the guy who interviewed him because it's just, he's too Aspen Institute for me. Mm-hmm. And it's like very obvious now, and it almost makes me uncomfortable actually. And like, because I hear him, and even like he does do that thing where they will do that. Like, I know people call it revelation of the method. I don't, you know, Ashley, I don't really love that saying because I don't think that that really is totally accurate. Mm-hmm. But I know I do hear him drop seeds of things. Okay, so like for instance, he talked about how his son-in-law is Ethiopian. Well who's in charge of the who i'm just i'm there are some kind of ethnic factions that do exist and that they play into and that they're like some kind of i'm not sure like exactly how to articulate it but there does seem to be some kind of like religious ethnic component to it all or their belief in it like they're very hyper racial is my opinion Mm -hmm. and they have like the bloodlines that they prefer. And so when that interviewer discusses things and the red bracelet doesn't even bother me, but it's like all the other things. It's like all the little hints and like the, it's very cocky and I don't really like that. Where DJ Tay or DJT, he's just more old school, like the mob. And I just, I don't know. It's like you're, you can appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. And there's a meme out there of Kermit the Frog who's like leaning up against a window and he's like, sometimes I just miss the way he said China, (laughs) you know, because he did have these very funny things about him. And of course, the way he triggers the shit libs is hilarious. That is Um, the best quality. Yeah, it's great. But I will say the interviewer that we're speaking about, Owen Benjamin actually did a deconstruction of of his uh, first episode that was put out on Twitter. And almost, it, and Owen does call it spells. He says that he is a spell breaker of these people because you hear them saying things that yes, you agree with, but also there's these other like, very subtle threads, exactly like what you're saying, that are woven uh, within what they're talking about. And so almost like Owen thinks that he is, uh, he, I don't think this was his exact wor- wor- phrasing, but like a demoralization agent, right? So like yes. pointing out the obvious things, but doing it in a way that makes it seem like it's a done deal or or like ascribing like this was a value to us and and, you know, wordsmithing really and i do he think does like do you that. said yeah, magician to magician yeah yeah i think that's totally true i actually have been seeing that a lot with like the more like based libertarian like ppc influencers here 
which is like our more libertarian party. It's like our third party. We don't really, mm-hmm. it doesn't really exist, but it kind yeah. of does in our imaginations. Yeah. But they get very demoralizing. And I have noticed yeah. that. Like they are just very like, oh, it's where Canada's doomed and it's over and we're all just going to get eugenics and put in camps. And then they'll like joke about it. And I'm like, okay, first let's like, it's not funny. Then there's a whole other faction that are like, well, we need to all move to Mexico. And then a bunch of them do live in Mexico. And then I'm like, okay, so if you live in Mexico, then just live your best life. Like why tweet about Canada? Like there's no point anymore. Right. Cause you're not really affected, but then it's kind of, sorry, go ahead. Generally. Just bitch into it. Yeah. I mean, they just complain. It's just complaining. And it's like, what, like what, so we're just supposed to like sit there and hear it and just be demoralized. And I totally agree, Ashley, that like he does do that. I don't know if that's his primary function because there are other people that I think are better at demoralizing. Like he has that kind of thing where he uplifts. He does that thing where he kind of makes fun, but it can be like the jester at the end of the world. Mm -hmm. It's like the the jester who makes fun of the mad king. Like we're all going to, we're all going to like go down with the ship, but like, at least we can get a laugh out of it. That's kind of how I, yeah, Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And this is something that, uh, you know, so actually (laughs) recently it was brought to my attention by some other, like the WTF forum guys. And they're kind of think that Isaac Weissop is a fed and, and I don't think you're the biggest fan of his either, but I will say that he had an episode with Nick, somebody, I don't remember the guy's name, but they talked about, you know, it reminded me of the demoralization conversation because even on, on not your mama's news, I'm wondering, like, am I bringing light to something that should not be discussed because of like the, the spiritual implications for us here. Right. Um, and Stella and I have talked about that, uh, as well, you know, like bringing a funny or outlandish story let's say about uh, a transgender person and it's like yeah it is news yes it is a sample